beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. My guest today really needs no introduction, because if you have been around here for very long at all, you know that the reason 10 Things to Tell You exists is because Meg Teets put a microphone in my hand all those years ago. Meg has long been a pioneer in the online space, She was one of the original mommy bloggers, and she was certainly the first person that I knew personally who was blogging not just for, you know, her own reasons, but for an audience. Back in the day, her blog was read far and wide, and that eventually led her to creating one of the first girl chat independent podcasts, Sorta Awesome, in 2015. Now, if you didn't already know, let me remind you that Meg and I have been friends since high school, where we initially disliked one another because, well, we dated each other's boyfriends. And as the story goes, we ditched those guys back then, and we have been close, dear friends since 1994. Yes, that is 30 years, if you are doing the math. I wrote about Meg in my book, The Life Council. She can almost occupy every seat there, and I really do credit her with helping me find my voice as a podcaster during the years that I was a co-host on Sorta Awesome, a show that was really defining for a lot of women. Last week, Meg made the public announcement that she was bringing the Sorta Awesome show to a close at the end of 2023, after eight plus years. And I wanted her to join me today to talk about how to know when it's time to end something that is good, how to listen to your intuition, 
and then take action and how to bring a whole era to a close. Whether you've been listening to me on the microphone with Meg all this time or not, back from those sort of awesome days until now, I think that the conversation will speak to you. And Meg, let me just say here for all posterity, your voice and your words, your laughter, your wisdom, and your leadership has changed all of our lives for the better. Thank you from all of us. One of my oldest and dearest friends, Meg Teets, welcome back to 10 Things to Tell You. Hello, and it is so, so good to be back. Thank you for inviting me. You are one of my favorite people of all time to be on a microphone with. Thank you. Because I just love talking to you, and you are <laughs> the origin story of me being on a microphone at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I just love chatting with you, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay. I want you to introduce yourself to the listeners, even though I am acknowledging that I feel like all of my listeners already know you because you are the OG. So many people who listen to 10 Things to Tell You first listen to us on Sorta Awesome, your creation. And so I just want to acknowledge that, that I feel like you need no introduction, but just for the few people who might need to know who you are, can you just give a quick intro? Okay, thank you. Yes. So I'm Meg Teets. I'm the creator and host of Sorta Awesome, as you just said. It is a weekly lifestyle podcast for women. We started in April of 2015. So over eight years ago, we started our little sort of awesome experiment. I'm also a wife and mom of five. I have children ranging in age from four up to 18, a freshman in college. And yeah, longtime friend of Laura's. We've known each other since before Laura could drive. I always like to I always like to put that out there just so people have it like a concrete way of being like, oh, my God, that is a long time to be friends with. That is a long time. And you're in Oklahoma where we both grew up. Yes, in Oklahoma City. Well, we didn't grow up in Oklahoma City, but that's where I've lived for 11 years now. So, And we stole each other's boyfriends. It's fine. (laughs) It's totally fine now. It's been fine for a long time. It's been the source of so much amusement and not – just a small amount of light social media stalking of said exes and boyfriends <laughs> through the years. <laughs> and post stealing one another's boyfriends, we also, people should know this just so that they feel like they understand the rapport here. We have also performed together <laughs> on a Disney cruise. Yes, we have. Yep. In, in full sequence and Big, big, fake ruby yeah. earrings. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the ruby red lipstick. Sailing the Caribbean seas, singing our hearts out, performing for <laughs> Jesus. Like we have been through some moments. And Laura, I feel like a thing that we don't bring up enough about that trip is the 24-hour bus ride on a yellow school bus that we took from our hometown (laughs) to Port Canaveral to board. When I tell that story, people are like, what? That's illegal, isn't it? (laughs) It was the 90s and questionable even then. For being honest, I cannot imagine putting my diva what? pansy children no. on, a, on a school bus 
for 24 <laughs> hours driving uh, straight through. We did not stop. We stopped to eat and go to the bathroom, but we did not stop and spend the night anywhere. That's insane to me now. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you why I don't bring it up is because there might have been some scandalous happenings going on. <laughs> there definitely A school were. Bus there definitely were. With teenagers overnight. Uh, yes. What? 100%. Some very <laughs> sketchy things. <laughs> I could testify. <laughs> Wait. We've already gotten off track. We've already gotten off track. We definitely have. Today's episode, our conversation is going to be about endings and intuition and journeys, the path. There's so many things that I want to talk about because you have recently made a very big announcement to your audience. And so we're going to talk about that. What did you tell your audience just last week? So I did announce to our audience, to our community that we'll be bringing Sort of Awesome to a close at the end of 2023, which believe it or not, is just like we're, we're in the end of 2023, <laughs> like we're here. <laughs> and so, yes, after eight years of creating weekly shows for our people and creating an amazing, vibrant, incredible, singular community online, the Sort of Awesome show is coming to an end. It's a big deal. Yes, <laughs> it is a big deal. It is. I, in my conversations with people... I feel like I can sit here and talk about this without a lot of like, maybe maybe people might expect some tearfulness. And definitely there's been a lot of big emotion that goes into telling people of this. But it was it was something that I started to know needed to happen kind of over the summer, this past summer, 2023 summer. So I have been able to really come to a place of just being so confident, so sure, and so at peace with this decision that now I think I'm so glad in retrospect, I'm so glad that I gave myself sort of that buffer zone to really work through my own stuff before mm-hmm. I began to tell people. So thank you, past me. Good call on that. <laughs> <laughs> because it is truly the end of an era for a lot of us. Sort of Awesome was the first podcast that so many people listened to. Yes. You know, Serial had just Mm -hmm. come out. And so people were just finding out about podcasts. And when Sorta Awesome started in 2015, it was the first podcast I knew that was, we called it Girlfriend Chat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which has now sort of become a popular genre, but it wasn't then. It was like one of the first of its kind. And so to close that show after eight years, I mean, I feel like we've all... As an audience, as a hangout community, we've all gone through a lot together. I mean, let's think about where America was in 2015. It was a different time. I know. It was like, it's a dream to think back on. Like I think back in those early episodes, we might talk about, we've been through a stressful time and I'm like, what exactly was the stressful time in 2015? (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) So true. Yeah. so true. Yeah. But let's go back actually way before that, like to- Uh, the beginning because you know what we're talking about here today is like every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end we're talking about when you close a door god opens a window we're talking about all the cliches so like not not jokingly as we were 
discussing what we were going to talk about today, I was realizing that this path has so many interesting beginnings and endings. And I think that that's important for us to share these stories because a lot of times what you see from the outside with creators or friends or anyone, what you see from the outside is you just see maybe the final product or you see how far they've come or you've seen success and you don't see all these other markers along these hard things along along the way. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to throw it back to sort of where you started working Mm -hmm. online because not only were you a OG pioneer in the podcasting space, you were a pioneer in the blogging space. Can we start there? That's generous. I don't know (laughs) that I would say I was a pioneer, although thank you. I'll accept that. So I started blogging in 2006 when my oldest daughter was one. And she's, again, she's a freshman in college now. And I had found myself having transitioned out of teaching. I was a high school English teacher. That's what I had gone to school for. That's what I had sort of envisioned that I would be doing career-wise. But after she was born, actually when I was pregnant with her, I transitioned into being a stay-at-home mom. And so I'd been doing the stay-at-home mom thing with my oldest child only child at the time. My husband was in a career where he worked a lot. I found myself with a lot of time on my hands and a lot of words. And blogging was this thing that was very, very, very informal back in those days. If you think back to 2006, this is like diary style blogging. This is what we did today in pictures from the park. And so I started a blog called Sorta Crunchy because in those days I was discovering this world of crunchiness. We live just south of Austin, which is so granola and so very crunchy. And I had gotten into all things natural family living, like cloth diapering and baby wearing before. Like now you go to the store, everybody's wearing their babies. They wear them everywhere. It was such a big deal back then and all kinds of natural things. And I found my people online in through blogging. And so I did that for, gosh, from 2006 to 2014? Yeah. The end of 2014. I don't know why you're diminishing it that you were a pioneer there because you were one of the first blogs that I knew that built up an audience. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like of strangers. (laughs) Of strangers. Yes. So blogging was really different back then. It was much more of like a personal journal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people had blogs and they were they weren't meant to build up an audience necessarily it was like the internet was a way this is how we use social media now but at the time it was like this was a way to show pics of the kids to grandparents yes yes or whatever and it was just a totally different vibe and there were a lot of people doing that you were among those that started to garner an audience of strangers yes To my great surprise, genuine surprise. Absolutely. I think that the setup, like the platform, again, this was, this was very pre-social media, the platform of blogger, those blog spot blogs that we had really allowed for easy discovery of what other people were doing. And so to my great surprise, as I started, because I was doing a lot of mommy blogging, just like here's pictures of our day at the park, but also like I bought new cloth diapers and here and look at these and here's the new baby carrier that I've been eyeing. And as I was doing more topically focused things to my surprise, all of these people were coming in and commenting and I would go visit their blogs. And we, before you knew it, we were 
having these full conversations back and forth in the comment sections. And there was this true sense of community. And I really do think that for stay-at-home moms in particular in this era, pre-social media, it was we we found our people again. We found how to have adult conversations again. And it was so easy. Mm-hmm. And the, the barrier for entry was so low. And it was so fun. There was no ads to worry about or campaigns or sponsors. It was genuine and pure connection. Well, and you might have become a resource as you were sort of sharing what you were learning about crunchy living. Except also the reason why I think you're blog did so well is because you're a really good writer. Thank you. Thank you. And that makes a difference. (laughs) I also like to talk about, because I still talk about my mommy blogging days too, even though they are 10 years in the past. I started years after you and my blog wasn't even focused on parenthood, but I call it a mommy blog because that feels like a term that everyone understands. But I love to talk about that time because I really think that the internet did this and and blogging did this as the extension of the internet, gave women voices. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I feel so strongly about that, that it gave like the stay-at-home mom a, a voice. Yes. That, you know, hadn't maybe been there in the past. And, and it was like a level playing field because like you said, like Blogspot was like free. Anybody could could do it. Now, mm-hmm. I know it's it it feels different to talk about it because we now we can all have social media it's the same mm-hmm. sort of concept and and we all have all our entangled feelings about yeah all of it. But at the time it was really powerful and really special and I do think that you made such a huge impact but then you decided to on theme of the, <laughs> of this conversation mm-hmm. close sort of crunchy. I did. And I remember thinking, well, that was such a big decision. Why'd you do that? Okay. So one thing I forgot to mention in the midst of my later years of blogging is that I co-wrote a book with a co-author who I had gotten to know through a mommy message board for our January 2005 babies. Laura Oyer and I wrote a book that we felt so passionately about. It's called Spirit-Led Parenting. It came out in 2012. And we co-wrote that together. So it was very much a collaborative effort. It's a 60,000 word book. And so I probably wrote, you know, 25 to 30,000 words of it. And Laura, I know I've told you this. I really can't emphasize enough to you Talk about being surprised again, but this time surprised in a bad way. After I, after we finished that book, I was like, I don't have a single word left in me. Like I gave, I've left it all on the table with that book. I put so much into it that when I w- really, truly for me, once we, once that book released and we sort of did our publicity tour through blogging, I don't know that I was ever really the same in terms of my passion for writing. I know so many people like you and other author friends of ours that are like, they sit down to write and it is hard and it's grueling, but they're like, but but this is where I have found, like, this is where I feel so natural. This is what I want to do. That it was the opposite for me. I was like, I I never want to write another book again. And I only co-wrote a book. I was like, I have no words left for books and I don't even have enough words left to do consistent blog posts. And also I got pregnant with twins. <laughs> so Side note. Surprise. Side. <laughs> Maybe this is just surprise. That's the theme of this conversation. <laughs> That's so true. But were you truly burned out on 
writing words mm-hmm. or was it the topic? No, no, it wasn't even that. When I and I was it wasn't even a sense of burnout. It was a genuine sense of like I would go to the well and the well was dry. There was no I couldn't put words together, I felt like. And I do think a lot of that in retrospect does have to do with getting pregnant with twins. It was a high risk pregnancy and you know, I just it was very it was a very overwhelming life situation to find myself in and my creativity really just kind of dried up and I think I started to shift into more survival mode even before our twins were born in early 2013. I just yeah, I just think there was just a lot happening life-wise that my like the creative part of my brain was just like, we'll just be quiet for a while while you get mm. through this major stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember because now it's been so long and I don't remember if we talked about this aspect of it. I closed my blog as well a, a few years later, but part of me wanting to close my blog or make that ending was less about the writing, even though by that time I was writing less online. I was, you know, more on a microphone or social media had really changed the game. Mm-hmm. But it was also about the branding of my blog which was Hollywood Housewife, which is still a great name. It is so good. Yes. But it wasn't really representative of what I was doing or the kind of work I wanted to be doing. And I was like, this is kind of a a misalignment for like what people think of when they hear that name and then the kind of work I wanted to be doing. So it just felt like I need to close out this Hollywood Housewife era. Yeah. Did you feel that was sort of crunchy? I mean, I know you were still a crunchy person. But like, were you like, I don't want to be this, you know, brand is an icky word when you're talking about people, but you know what what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It feels feels like a little pigeonholed to just be like, this is this, this is who I am. And you're presenting yourself this way. You kind of maybe start to realize, or I I guess in in some ways I started to realize, like, I just didn't want to be known just for that. And it did feel, especially after my twins were born and I was so overwhelmed and truly in survival mode and I was not able to do a lot of the quote unquote crunchy practices that really are a part of that community, that part of like what people would expect from me. I could only breastfeed them for six months and that was a struggle. My girls, I had breastfed until they were two, like I did the whole extended breastfeeding thing. I only one of them liked to be baby worn. I could not do cloth diapering with twins. There was just like, I felt like all of these layers that I had built up in terms of how other people experienced me online were just like falling away. And it was mm-hmm. kind of, a, it was kind of a disempowering feeling in a sense, because it wasn't like, oh, now I'm like reinventing myself. It didn't feel like that at all. It felt like all of these standards that I had held for myself and all of these ways that I'd been known to my online community, like that just wasn't me anymore. I do think in retrospect, even more than I realized at the time, there was a pretty big disconnect between what my online community had come to expect from me and then the reality that I was living out having had surprise twins in my late 30s. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which I think, you know, when I say that out loud, people would have, of course, been compassionate and understanding. It was my thing that I was really struggling with making peace with. Yeah. I mean, it takes a level of, what's the word, like being able to step back from something to be able to say, this time in my life really served me well. I'm really grateful for these years where I was able to practice and learn more about this crunchy living in this example. But it's also not 
who I am anymore or doesn't fit quite anymore. It's hard to let go of things like that, though, because they actually do become part of our identity in oh, some absolutely. way. Yes, it absolutely had become my identity. And I think that was a huge, huge component of my mental health struggles after my twins were born, because I felt like without me seeking it out, my whole identity was shifting. And I felt like I was like, I just couldn't get my feet on solid ground. I just felt like mm. so much was slipping away. And it wasn't, I felt it wasn't like I was in a mental place to be like, well, now I can choose. Now I have this freedom and I can choose this and explore this. I, I just was not in a place mentally to be able to frame it that way. Yeah, for sure. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born Sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. So then what was the timeline of closing Sorta Crunchy and starting sort of awesome the podcast okay because so, because obviously you found your words I know. <laughs> yes I just <laughs> needed a new medium okay so end of 2014 the blog had been sputtering along it's not like I was consistently blogging and then all of a sudden one day I was like I'm gonna be done it was very sporadic at that point but I went ahead and made it official and you are so right as you said at the top of the episode, like this was when season one of Serial had just come out, Sarah Koenig exploring, you know, the Edmond Syed case. And so 
you actually had gotten me into that. We I remember we were at our friend Jamie's house for a holiday gathering and we were all talking about it. And I was like, what's this? And I I did know what podcasts were because our mutual friend Tish Oxenrider had invited me to be on her podcast, which was called Simple Mom back in those days. And so I knew what it was and I'd listened to my own episodes, <laughs> but I just would like go to her blog and push play on a button on her blog. Like I didn't know you could listen to them on your phone. And so yeah. once you introduced me to the world that is podcasts via listening to Serial, then I was listening to all these other things, to all of these NPR podcasts. And, and I found a podcast that was just doing a rewatch of Lost season one. That's how niche podcasts can be. And I was like, give it to me. I want all of this. I'm obsessed. So the more I became an enthusiastic podcast listener, the more I kept thinking, you know, I think I could do this. Like, I think I could do this. It can't be that hard. <laughs> We're both laughing because that's <laughs> how everybody starts a podcast. <laughs> And then, and then what makes a rude awakening, folks, it is not just turning on a microphone. It's not, but listen, I didn't even really know how to plug a microphone in. I barely knew that. I didn't know how to edit audio. I didn't know how to do any of this. And so I had this idea, but I just, I kept thinking like, I think we could do this. So I reached out to you. I reached out to our friend, Kelly Gordon and my friend, Rebecca Hoffer, who I, I really don't think I can downplay the importance that Voxer, the Voxer app played in me, for example, thinking about who would be good on microphone. I didn't know it yet, but I was already thinking about podcasts like a producer thinks about podcasts. Who has a good voice? Who has presence? Who conveys energy when they're on microphone? We have lots of friends and, and I know we both use the Voxer app quite a bit. And I just, these were people who were just stood out to me. You were the three I asked if you would come and just let's see what happens. And all three of you said yes. And we didn't even know enough to even like give pause to it. So I'm like, I'm like watching every tutorial on YouTube that there is about how to edit a podcast, how to upload a podcast, how all of that works. And we just did it. <laughs> We just did it with the naivete of <laughs> absolute beginners, absolute beginners. Okay. But let me interrupt you for two things. One is if you're unfamiliar with the Voxer app, it is a voice messaging app. And yeah. so you can kind of get a real sense about who, like she's describing, might you know, be good with their actual literal voice. Mm -hmm. And then also who may be talks too much. I am known for talking way too much on Voxer, so I don't know why you chose me, but thank you. <laughs> and then secondly, Kelly Gordon, one of the co-hosts that you chose, that friendship came out of, or maybe you knew her a bit before this, but in our blogging days, mm -hmm. the, at, at this point we were winding down, but in the heyday of our blogging days, you, Meg, had formed a group of fellow bloggers. Yes. And that group exists to this day. It is one of yeah. the most formative friendship groups I've ever had in my life. I'm mentioning it because, first of all, that's where Kelly <laughs> slides in from. Mm -hmm. But secondly, because it's going to matter to the rest of this conversation that you have always been creating community. 
always on a on a smaller scale, like, you know, putting together fellow bloggers to be able to talk about blogging, which is what, mm-hmm. how that group started, or the audience that you had built up at Sorta Crunchy who were really like finding kinship in one another. And then what started almost immediately to spin out of Sorta Awesome. Yes. I don't... <laughs> You're going to have to ask me questions about this and I'm going to just be like, I don't know. I It's not like I <laughs> – I feel like every single time I start a community, I just stumble ass backwards into it just coming together. I don't know. I'm genuine when I say that. <laughs> You're so annoying right now. You're like my mom who's like, I don't know how I made this amazing meal. It just came together. This was what was in my pantry. <laughs> And I'm like, yes. I feel, yes, I'm Donna in this moment. I'm sorry. I really, I'm genuine when I say it. it's not like I had like any kind of instruction and in about like, here are the guidelines of a healthy, thriving community online and in person. No, like I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, it just happens. Well, it just happens around me, me. Oh my God. I'll just tell you what it is. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You are magnetic. Oh, thank you. I mean, people want to be around you or part of something you're creating or associated with you or, you know, all the different things that a leader is very naturally. You are magnetic. And I think when we think of leaders, maybe we think of like, you know, politicians at a lectern or something you know I mean like we think of this certain kind of leader maybe that we have in our mind that's very authoritative you are a leader from within you are a leader like I will be sitting in the circle with you I will not be above you preaching down at you or anything you are a leader that is like a warm fire that people want to come and be around this has always been true this has been true from our childhood This is certainly true in your online work. And so I'm not surprised by it. The the point of surprise here is that when we started this podcast, I mean, you started it and I was along for the ride as a co-host and we did not know what we were doing. Although, like you already mentioned that you were already thinking like a producer without being fully conscious of it. You also started that show. We're joking about not knowing what we were getting into, but you started it from a very professional position. In that, like, you know, it was a rotating co-host. Like, you had done, I remember you had done a lot of research. You'd listened to a lot of different types of shows to see what you liked or what resonated or or what you felt yeah. like you could sustain. Like, it it started from minute one, even though we were amateurs and didn't fully know what we were doing. You always treated it seriously. Yes. And, like, it was important work. And I think when you start from that stance, it just has a different vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the surprise part, the surprise piece was, I don't, you, you tell me how the hangout community on Facebook, like how early that started, but when that, that took off like wildfire and became such an important piece of the show. I think there's two things here. I did do a ton of research and I was listening to all these different podcasts. I mean, from every genre, like I said, from very niche Lost Rewatches to very professionally produced NPR shows. And I I think that I did that thing that creators do where I created what I was not finding, but that I wanted. 
podcasting has always as an industry skewed towards men, men hosts, men producers, men running the networks. And even though I certainly listened to podcasts at the time that were hosted by women, I wasn't hearing, even those were like, there was a structure to them. There was a topic to them. And I wasn't at that time. Again, I know that, like you said, there's like plenty of of this style show now, but I wanted a place where it was just friends talking. Now we definitely have always had themes, but the main thing, we're not an educational show. It's never, I mean, you might learn something and I hope you do, but it's always been about the friendship, the camaraderie. And so early on, it bothered me coming from a blogging background. The thing that drove me nuts about podcasting in those days, and I, I think this is somewhat still true all of these years later, is there was not a place for us to hear feedback from our listeners and for listeners to get to talk to each other. So I would find that my friends who are listening to Sort of Awesome were texting me or sending me messages on Voxer, and I'm having the same with their responses to episodes, right? And so I'm having this conversation with this friend and this conversation with this friend. I'm saying the same things. I'm like, why can't we all just discuss this all together? And so about a month into Sort of Awesome, so we we started it in April 2015 by Mother's Day weekend of of 2015, I created the the Facebook group. So early May, and we again so naively. So idealistically, the team, the four of us, we thought at the time that it would be a place where everyone would just want to talk about the episodes. <laughs> because in, t- in fairness, those are the conversations I was having with friends. And I know you were, I know Kelly and Rebecca were having conversations with their friends about the episodes. So we just thought people need a place to talk about the episodes. And initially they were, but I don't even think it was a month after that, that people were popping in with their own conversation starters and it genuinely took off from there. And I do think mm-hmm. that it, it created a space, the, the whole thing, the whole ethos of sort of awesome has always been about finding the awesome in the everyday. And I do think that it just drew in people who are like, I want to talk to people about good things and fun things and, and then even later down the road, bringing in difficult things to talk about. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think that I think that it did draw in a particular kind of listener who was craving a particular kind of community connection and conversation experience. I mean, it's almost hard to talk about Sort of Awesome the show without talking about Sort of Awesome the Hangout community. It has been such a huge piece of it always, like from, you know, month one like you were saying, I also think, I mean, it has thousands and thousands and thousands of women in there and has had a high level number of people in there from the beginning. And I've been in a lot of Facebook groups. I love me a Facebook group. (laughs) The hangout community, this goes again to your leadership and the tone that you are setting. I cannot believe the lack of all these years, the lack of drama, the lack of like, crazy people. <laughs> I mean, every other Facebook group I've ever been in has almost imploded at this point after eight years with thousands of people. It just it just seems like we all just cannot seem to hold it together. The Hangout community has not. Now, I know that there have been instances. I'm not saying it hasn't. There hasn't been yeah, the sure. errant threat, comment thread or whatever. Yeah. But you have set such a good tone in there always. Yeah. You know, I know you have to come in a couple times a year and be like, remind 
reminder, <laughs> everyone, how we are in here. <laughs> but honestly, Meg, it has, it, it, there's no other group like it. And I think that's another reason that people became very loyal mm. to the show and to you and to this community because it's filled with kindness and thoughtfulness and open-heartedness and genuine, genuine curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. For, for a long time, for literal years, we did not have like a set of rules for the hangout group. Our, our only rule that I set because I am a child of the eighties was be excellent to each other. And that Thank you, Bill and Ted, for that <laughs> mantra. But truly, that was the expectation that was very public from the beginning, is that we would be excellent to each other. And again, I think that people were just craving that kind of space online because this was, you know, when certainly when social media had really kicked up. And I think a lot of people had started to see and this is pre-2016 election in our country, but people had already started to see so much an awesome things coming from people that were their family and friends. And so we sort of, without explicitly meaning to, created this little haven where you could come and talk about whatever and just you could say things trusting that you weren't going to get your feelings hurt or a snarky comment back. And I think it was, it became a really meaningful touch point for so many people. Yeah. And on the creator side, as one of those original co-hosts, I look back on those years of Sort of Awesome when it was just the four of us, you mm -hmm. and me, Kelly and Rebecca, you know, we didn't have assistants or editors or, yeah. you know, even an ad network yet or anything in the, yeah. in the early days. It was just the four of us on Voxer and text, plotting out episodes, plotting out marketing. It was one of the like richest, most I fulfilling know. professional seasons of my life. Really and was. I say that because... Working and collaborating with other women, I haven't gotten to do it very often. It's magical. Yeah, it really is. I can't imagine. I know you and I've had vastly different professional experiences, but I now can't imagine having a work environment that's not very woman first, woman driven. Everything that we have done behind the scenes has always been about caring for ourselves, caring for our community. There's, I don't know, I don't even know what it would be like to not have that dynamic, but it has been incredibly rewarding. And I, I am the same as you. Like I look back on those early days, like we were just like in it fully, like blood, sweat and tears all the way in. Also for zero dollars. For zero dollars. Costing I mean, me I, money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I need everyone to know that there was no money for that first, I don't know, year maybe? I don't know. We did that. Two and years. not only yeah. two years. Yeah. I mean, because I remember when we started to be compensated, it was like such a huge deal. And I was also at the time being like, wait, we get to be paid for this? Yeah, exactly. Because if I felt so lucky. Yeah. And in those early days, you know, we would listen, all four of us would listen to every episode and then oh, yeah. give feedback, Notes. like on Voxer. Yes. We were trying to figure out what worked, what didn't, what landed, you know, what could be better next time. Oh, yeah. You know, this co-host had certain strengths. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, 
this co-host like what should you know should really lean into certain episode types or whatever like we just really analyzed that and i i have missed that for years yeah we were i think we were all teaching each other how to produce a podcast all of us yeah. especially those those boxer conversations after episodes would drop I learned so much. Again, I went into this a complete amateur. I knew what I thought sounded good, but all all of those conversations, all three of us, all three of you co-hosts and me, we just like would hear things and make suggestions. And it was again because even on our team, it was a safe place to offer constructive criticism and know that it's being offered genuinely out of care, out of love for the person, out of love for the show. There was no snarkiness. And so yeah, even if there was things like I'm a perfectionist and I would just like cringe over things that could have been done better. But at the same time, I would know like, okay, this is I'm this is only to make the show better and make me better as a podcaster. Well, did you feel like since you had stopped writing and I mean, you've barely written since, right? Like you literally yeah. don't write very much. It's a weird thing. Like I do, I'm not, I don't want to be weird about it, but I know I'm a good writer. I have a degree in English. <laughs> like I know I am a good writer, but I just don't know. Like I don't feel particularly like I need to be writing. I don't have that need. When I sit down to write something, I can write, but I'm not driven to, if that makes sense. Well, I guess what I'm asking though is, did you feel like you found your mm-hmm. words, you know, oh, by yeah. speaking, because for me, it's always been a back and forth. I think learning to be a better podcaster, like learning, you know, I would listen back to all my episodes and realize I had verbal tics that I wanted to change all this. So learning to be a better podcaster made me a better writer and being a writer makes me a better podcaster. You know, to me, it has always been a back and forth, but to you, do you feel like you just found your voice or it was just the way you wanted to use your voice? Oh, using your voice. Well, I think that's an interesting thing. I also feel extremely passionate about women and their voices, their actual physical voices. I've beat this drum for years and I'm sure if you're listening, you've probably heard me talk about this in other places and spaces, but I get so angry about how women's voices are characterized in broader conversations, the nitpickiness, the aversion to the female voice. It makes me so irate. (laughs) So in a sense, I felt like I was doing important work, creating a podcast that is by women for women. And I wanted women to feel empowered to use their voices. I've always said professionally, I never felt more like myself than when I stood up to start teaching on my first day of student teaching. Like I had been, you know, going to school to, you know, taking education classes, all of that. But it wasn't until I stood up and started teaching. And I was like, this is the most natural thing in the world to me. Like, I know exactly how to do this. Was I a teacher in my last life? I don't know what's happening. And I felt the same way. The the first time Tish had me on microphone for the Simple Mom podcast, like being on microphone is so natural to me. Writing does come naturally to me, but it's also like there's, I don't know, there's like a certain amount of work that goes into it, some polishing. It's a little bit more toil to me. Getting on microphone is literally never work for me. And so I have loved every minute of this part. And like on a philosophical level, felt like we're doing something so important by showcasing women's voices. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's threads of the same thing that was happening in blogging, even though this yeah. seems to be your natural gifting, but it is it is similarly positioned in like championing women's voices and things. Yeah. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating and, yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, dot com and use code U Y O U. So I guess it was like 20, was it 2017 when you and I both got really into intuition? Yes. Thank goodness. No one else was talking to me about it besides you. I feel like we sort of came to it separately and then yeah. we ended up realizing that we had were both yes. on that path. And so then it was like wildfire. We just couldn't stop talking about it. And I don't yes. even, I couldn't tell you where I got into I it. Think we were lis- I think we were listening to some podcasts at the time and I'm not even joking about that. I think both of us kind of separately had found some podcasters who are real big on the intuition thing. And both of us just kind of started thinking like, this really clicks, like this really makes a lot of sense. So I was mm-hmm. so thankful because genuinely you were the only person in my offline life that I was even talking to or felt like I could talk to both of, well, I came from an extremely evangelical Christian background. Yours is more like, you know, christian <laughs> I was like, what's she going to say here? <laughs> That's what I said, christian um, But like, I came from a context where trusting your intuition meant that you are one of those new agey danger people. Oh, yeah. Get out the crystals, which yes. I have, by the way. It's fine. Me too. I have one around here somewhere. Yes. <laughs> yep. So so you feel like when you first started getting into it, it was almost a little edgy or something. Oh, yeah. Very, very much so. Like I felt like I was being spiritually bad girl by listening to my intuition. <laughs> By actually tuning into yourself. Yes. Scandal. Very scandalous. Yes. Very much so. And then we started, we talked about it on the show, actually, mm-hmm. which I remember. You know, there's a few episodes of the show that, you know, stand out. And one of them was, people bring this up to me all the time. It has been so long. People bring up the face shaving episode mm-hmm. where I talked about shaving my face. It's also the same episode where I talk about anxiety. So so the, the two... The two pieces of that episode were, yeah. were 
memorable. Like, I don't know what to say about I feel that, like, but I feel like that was like our first viral in a sense, not just like by download numbers and all it was probably the most listened to of that year, but also the most viral conversation, both of those components, people could not stop talking about it. So yes, please do go ahead. Well, yeah. And there were a few of those, I think each, each co-host and of course you could, you know, talk about some of the sort of, I don't know if you would want to say like tentpole episodes yeah. of, mm-hmm. it really got shared a lot. It really got a lot of chatter. It, you know, maybe that's like what brought new eyeballs or ears rather to the show was some of those topics because again, time capsule, now everybody talks about anxiety, but, and everybody talks about face shaving too, by the way, yes. <laughs> but back then what, not so much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the other, because I was going to talk about our intuition episode, but let's get to that in a second, because I do kind of want to know what standout episodes over the years, over all the years, you feel like will be, mm. is legacy too strong of a word? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so at all. I do think that definitely we did an anxiety part one and two. You and I did a couple of episodes on friendship that were very much talked about and very important at the time. Well, one of them spawned a book. The original, you know, the subtitle to the Life Council, my book that came out this year, is 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. That is the original title from an episode that you and I did together a long time ago. Yes. Kelly and I have had some really important conversations about faith and grappling with our faith and our evangelical upbringings. Rebecca did a very powerful one about recovering from miscarriage. I did one that people still all of these years later, this came out in 2017 about recovering from postpartum depression that I think was really interesting, the reaction to that. And as I'm saying this, I'm like, all of these like heavy, like difficult episodes, I think are the ones that people remember the most because they were probably the ones that had the biggest impact directly on people like looking at their own lives and, and bringing something into their own lives in the way that you have very naturally done in your books and in your work, inviting people to bring it into their lives. Well, I feel like those episodes of Sort of Awesome invited people to kind of either examine their own lives or pass it on to other people. I love doing, like Rebecca and I have done some confessions episodes that I will still laugh about to this day when I listen back. We had some funny, unpopular opinion episodes when the four oh, yes, of us would did. get on microphone. <laughs> You never knew what was going to be said. We had so much I mean, fun that I don't think those are the episodes that people are going to be like, that made a, an impression on me. <laughs> well, I do think that those episodes will be remembered in just like the overall yeah, yeah, tone yeah. of a show that made that mostly made you laugh and think. But the episodes that you're saying that are almost like legacy building episodes, which are, you know, miscarriage, postpartum mental health and things like that. One of the reasons that I think that those are so important to people is again, back to the tone in which you approach this topic. So you can search your podcast app and find any number of episodes about miscarriage, I'm sure. And often it might be presented or the information that we're getting sometimes about these hard things in life are presented maybe academically or medically or information. Yeah. Clinically or like from an educational standpoint and we want people to learn and educate themselves and that kind of thing. But in the way that sort of awesome talks about these hard topics, faith changes, all of it, it is still 
like talking to your girlfriend about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a different way of feeling known or like Mm. I'm uh, less alone. Like this is, I'm so glad I'm not the only one to hear Kelly talk about her faith changes is a lot more accessible than hearing it from an NPR style podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. I and think that that's so really true. matters to people. Yes. You know? Yes. And if anything, I do hope that the conversational approach that we've taken has created a sort of like a model for people to have those conversations yeah. offline. I mean, it's influenced me so much. The work that I did with you on Sorta Awesome became, you know, kind of some of my most important messages, sharing your stuff, becoming less lonely. You know, a lot of that was coming in tandem tandem with what I was writing online and stuff, but I wouldn't have realized how many women needed that message or needed to talk about some of these things had it not been for the sort of awesome community. That was just really just so important. And when we did that intuition episode that we already mentioned, we did that intuition episode, sort of just talking to each other about how we'd gotten into intuition. Yes. And and I'm not laughing about it because it really is very important that, yes. that women learn to really, we just mute ourselves. We yes. numb ourselves. We talk ourselves out of how we really feel. There's so many ways in which women do not listen to their intuition. So I loved that we had that episode back in the day. But <laughs> But as we were having that episode, then what happened? Literally, as we're recording that episode, then what happened? (laughs) Do you remember? Well, I mean, this is around the time when you realized it was time for you to step away from Sword Awesome because intuitively you were like, oh, I do want to do this, but I've got got my own vision that I want to pursue for sure. And those things, I feel like those sort of dovetailed together like we were talking about intuition yeah we were talking about intuition together as I was it was like dawning on me in the moment that even though this thing I was a part of was incredible and life-giving and good work it was also time for me to step away from it which is one of the things we're talking about today is it's much harder to know when to end something when it's going well or it's successful by any measure or people like it like there is no big breaking point there is no like toxic thing about it but just knowing to end a thing even when it is good Mm -hmm. yeah is hard it is it really is hard and I think it's worth noting in some Longtime listeners to Sorta Awesome, especially I feel like I maybe addressed this with our Patreon supporters, may know that this isn't the actual first time that I thought I was going to close <laughs> Sorta Awesome. For a time after you, you left the show at the end of 2017, and for the first part of 2018, I really thought that I was probably going to close the show sometime that year. I thought I might like to go back to my true first love of teaching and do seminars and try to form a curriculum that I could share with people around community. Because even though I laugh and say, I don't know how to do it and I don't quite, I've learned a lot. Even if, even if I don't particularly know about the starting of one, <laughs> I have learned a lot through the years about creating community culture. And so I thought I might 
you know, travel and, and do like give talks and, and do all of that. And so I was pretty well convinced in 2018 that I would close sort of awesome. I had told the team people were sad and that I don't even really exactly remember at what point I changed my mind. I was like, no, maybe we should keep going with sort of awesome for a while. But I do know one thing that is very different from that decision in 2018 to now is in 2018, I was starting to feel so insecure about our place in the bigger podcasting world. Mm. In three years, it had already changed so much. And again, that barrier to entry to starting a podcast was so low. So many celebrities and big name people were starting podcasts. And I just really got into my head about why would anyone keep listening to us? We're just like no name people that just, you know, there's, we're not celebrities. They're not getting the inside scoop on the celebrity world or anything like that. We're just friends talking. And so I think that in retrospect, I did not have a good grasp on this at the time. In retrospect, I think that that feeling of wanting to close the show was more self-protection than it was Mm -hmm. like a place of intuition of being like, no, I, I think this is a good time to be done. Well, I mean, it is worth noting that The podcasting industry has changed in the way that we mentioned blogging has changed. Social media has changed. So has podcasting. I don't know if listeners, I don't know because I've never been solely a listener, like if they're able to sort of see that landscape of the explosion of podcasts, which philosophically is a good thing because I want people to be able to share their stuff. (laughs) But also it affects download numbers. It becomes more competitive. It it affects advertising dollars. Like Mm -hmm. it is, it has, it's a struggle for independent podcasters, honestly, when more and more big, fully funded companies (laughs) jumped into the podcast game. And it is hard to stay the course when dollars dry up, ideas dry up, the competition gets fierce. Competition, Yeah. Yeah, that's a real part of it. And sometimes that's hard because now you can look back and feel like it wasn't necessarily intuition. It was these other things we're discussing. But it can be really hard when you're in it to be able to tell intuition from like data and if those things align or if they don't. Like if you should dismiss your intuition and go with the data, which sometimes, I don't know, it might be a, a path or dismiss the data and go with your intuition, which is something I think you and I would often argue that's so much easier said than done. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that having that experience in 2018 is why I gave myself so much time to sit with it in 2023 once I began to know it's time to be done because I just I like wanted to be so for sure. Now, for other people, this may come more easily. And it wasn't necessarily that I was not trusting my intuition. I guess I just really wanted to sort through and and let any insecurities that I was having, any like outside things that might be making me feel like it was time to close the show, to I almost wanted to give them a chance to say their piece, (laughs) if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. so that I could be so sure that what I was hearing crystal clear was coming from my bigger sense of knowing that this is the this is the thing to do this year. Mm-hmm. And so like I said it was probably probably by the time I even said it out loud for the first time which was to my husband was probably like 
June of this year. So, and I didn't tell anyone on the team even until around August. So, or July maybe, but I gave myself a lot of time to really sit with it. Was Kyle, your husband's reaction, surprise or did it make sense to him too? Because I also feel like in this conversation of endings and beginnings, you know, you're not always going to judge by by people's reactions. Like sometimes you have to really right. quiet other people's reactions and sit with yourself. Yes, yeah. But also sometimes people's reaction can either be a mirror. Like if you say, I'm thinking this and they say, they also say someone dear to you, like a partner says like, that feels right. Mm-hmm. Then that can be an affirmation. If they say, oh, let's think a little bit more, then that can be a moment also to pause. Like it's not, it's funny to talk about, we talk about intuition is really, you have to listen to your own. But if you're in a, if you're not in the practice of listening to your intuition, then (laughs) it's, it's hard to fully trust it. Absolutely. It really is. And I do think that it is such a balance between this is what I know I need to do. And I know the people around me may not understand it, but I know this as opposed to sometimes it's more of like, I think this is the thing I need to do. Like I'm going to take a few steps forward and see what other, you know, the people that I love and trust, what, what are they saying? Kyle's reaction was pretty much what most people's reaction has been, which is like, okay, like, I support you and it makes sense. Kyle specifically, he's, even ever since I've told him that I'm closing sort of awesome, he keeps coming to me with these ideas of like, you know, you could make a show about blah, 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 blah. He wants, he wants me. He's like, you're so good on microphone. It seems like a waste for you to not be creating a show. But not in an unsupportive way, because every single time he's like, I'm not saying you should keep going with Sorta Awesome. I just want to make that clear. I understand you're closing Sorta Awesome. That's fine. That's good. I support you. But he, and he definitely has been supportive. I think that he, more than most people, sees the behind the scenes of it. So he sees, I mean, like when my mother was dying that night, I had my laptop at her bedside and I'm like uploading the show to go live on Friday. And and I don't say that as like, oh, I'm so awesome. It's just like, I have had just like such an unswerving commitment to a new episode going out almost every Friday for the past eight years. And he's seen that. He's seen what that looks like to make that happen mm-hmm. behind the scenes. So I think he more than most also is like, okay, I, I get this. So. I'm so glad you shared that story, even though that's, I'm sure, sort of a sensitive thing to say out loud. But like, I want people to know the dedication that you have really given to this show and this community and that you have not taken a break. Yeah. And eight years, so long, a lot of Fridays, everybody. It's a lot of Fridays. It really is. And you know, that's another thing too. I actually used that idea. Like I, I really had to ask myself when I started thinking it's time to close the show. I was like, am I just burned out? Like, do I just need to take a break? But I began to realize, and I actually did even take a few Fridays where like Kelly and Rebecca would host the show or we would pull and do like a rerun just to kind of check in and see like, am I just burned out? But I do feel like the feeling that I know in terms of it being time to close the show is so much bigger than just like, I need to take a little time off and I'll get recharged. I keep, I'm saying this to all of my friends and the team members as I'm closing it. I genuinely believe that sort of awesome. We've come, we've done what we came to do. And 
I'm so proud of it and I'm so thankful for it. I have so much gratitude for it. And I just think that what we came to do is it's been done. It's complete. And this seems like the perfect time to say, okay, and and now we can move forward with our next steps, whatever that looks like for all of us. Because it is the end of an era, not just for you, the creator, it's a different ending for you almost, but as a community, it is the end of an era. People who started listening when their babies were babies are, you know, now in middle school or whatever. People have I don't want to say grown up together, but kind of, if it was so many people have told me sort of awesome was the first podcast they ever listened to. And now the world is really different. So we have really expanded together. We have grown together. The hangout has carried so many of us through, you know, in the pandemic when everyone was home, that was a online community that already existed and was full of like love. And, you know, when we, when all we had was online, that was there. And there's just so many pieces to it that people are going to feel that is the end of an era for themselves. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I think many of us have marked time through the things that keep us company. I can think back to like the run of Friends, the TV show, and like, you know, how young I was when it started and how I was, you know, fully having babies by the time it ended. And I think all of us kind of have these milestones that show the passage of time. I know so many people who have told me, I I started listening to Sort of Awesome when I was postpartum with my first baby. You got me through those nights. And yeah, now they're school kids. They're off doing their own thing. I myself have had a whole nother child who's in pre-K now since we've been making Sort of Awesome. So I totally do get that. I am right there with the community in the sense of feeling the end of the Sort of Awesome podcast era. You know, when we've been talking about this privately, as you let the team know that this was your decision. And then I feel very honored that you also let me know as a former part of Sort of Awesome. You have really spoken about how it was very important to you to end this era Mm -hmm. and end this project well. Yes. What has that meant to you? Like, what does that, what, how do you define ending it well? Mm -hmm. I I think at its heart, I mean, end it with intention. And as I just kind of said in passing when I was talking about ending sort of crunchy, I just let sort of crunchy fizzle out until I just fi- finally was kind of like, we got to call it. I'm not blogging anymore. This is over. And I did not want to have that experience again. I've always kind of felt a twinge of regret over how I closed sort of crunchy. Not, I mean, it wasn't like this huge high stakes thing, but just for me, myself, to have not given it the ending that I felt like it deserved for how much it had kept me company and kept me writing and kept me creative for all of those years. So I felt like with knowing so far in advance, I actually was going to close the show at the end of October, but then just through conversations with people at our ad network, I was like, okay, no, yeah, that's fine. Let's fine. Let's just go through the end of 2023. That feels like a good solid ending point. I wanted to intentionally give every person who's been a part of Sword Awesome a chance to have that final feeling like this is their last episode. Because as you've talked about, Sword Awesome is 
the podcast that I created, but it has had a collaborative component from the beginning. So mm-hmm. not only the the co-hosts who have been mainstays, but then, you know, a few years ago, we brought in regulars who, you know, Katie and Julie and Mindy, who are bringing regular conversations to the show. And I wanted them to all have a chance too to know like, okay, this is the last one I'm going to record for Sort of Awesome. This is what I want it to sound like. And so I am so thankful for this long runway that we've all had to mentally prepare. It was really important for me for the team as well to have a lot of time to work through their emotions about it, to think about what their next, next steps are before the community knew, because it is so hard. I think for me, the hardest thing it, when you have to bring something to a close is managing your own feelings and feeling like you have to manage the feelings of others. And I don't hmm. know if that came from you know, when I was a kid, my family moved a lot, a lot. We, my family moved towns every couple of years, every three to four years. And so I was the friend who moved away a lot. And I hadn't really thought about this until recently, but that experience of being the friend who moves away, you're managing your own feelings as a kid about leaving this school and this friend group that you've come to know and love. And also your friends are sad and how to, make space for both of those things. I think that maybe on a subconscious level, I wanted to give everybody on the team a chance to have their own sad feelings, to talk through it with their friends, to process it themselves before we began to make space for the community to express their their feelings about it. Well, and telling the community a couple of months before the official last episode, it lets you hold their hand as the leader that you are. As I mentioned until the end, instead of just <laughs> severing it and walking away. I, right. I don't think that you would necessarily do that, but or even let it fizzle, like you mm-hmm. said. I think that that is so true. And, you know, I, I've even after I decided like, okay, I really do know it's time. I would start to think about like, well, what if I just pushed ahead? Like, what if we just, just gave it a little bit more? And I could sense in myself that once I knew, once I knew I could see that, yeah, I was grappling with some feelings of like, gosh, I feel so bad because I know people are going to be so disappointed and people have come to rely on Sort of Awesome for this and this and this. And so I feel so bad, not really taking that away from them, but like, that's not going to be there for them anymore. And I'm the one that made that call. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I felt guilty about that. But I knew as I kind of like tried to imagine, what if we did just do like a little bit more? What if we even just like, pushed ahead with Patreon and did that for like an extended amount of time, I could sense that I would start to feel resentful of it because I Mm -hmm. knew, I knew I have known so much. It's time to bring this to a close. And somebody said something in the hangout. I wish I would have taken a screenshot of this. I, I so regret that I didn't. One of our awesomes said in the hangout, uh, another person was grappling with a decision they had to make and they were feeling guilty and they didn't know what they should do. And this awesome had said, I can't remember where I heard this, but I've heard it's always better to choose guilt over resentment. And that just like, that just hit for me. I was like, that is so true. I know that I may feel some feelings of guilt on this end to bring this to a close guilt for what this means for the team who've come to rely on this for this part of their life, what it means for our community. But I know I would rather work through the guilt of it on this end than have 
an extended amount of resentment. And I didn't want to leave sort of awesome with any resentment at all. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that's an important component of my desire to end things well is to leave without resentment, to leave with just Mm -hmm. such good energy around it for me, for the team and for the community. Yeah, it's so wise because how many times have we looked back and been like, when something did end and we can look back with a little more hindsight and be like, well, actually that thing should have ended before, (laughs) you know? Yes. Yes. A lot of us cling to things out of nostalgia, out of obligation, out of expectations. And then when we get some distance from it, we're like, yeah, that thing was over long before we actually called it. Mm Mm-hmm. And and there's that's actually not it's not bad you know to to yeah. to hold on to things necessarily but then sometimes you think well I lost a little time by holding on to this thing that was actually yes. over I lost a little creative energy I I there was something lost in the holding on to something past its time mm-hmm. so knowing truly when to end having the runway to end it well which is what you're doing I mean you're saying that you really knew this in June and you are giving. You gave yourself, your team, and now the audience plenty of time. It's so wise. It's so generous of you. And I just, I'm, you know, I don't like it when people say that they're proud of their friend. It sounds really condescending. I don't know why it shouldn't. It should be a compliment. I am, you know, as your friend, like, so proud of what you have created here, what you, all this work you have done over the years, how you have changed people's lives. The tendrils of Sorta Awesome are so vast and so long. To this day, people mention to me all the time, either they, like podcast listeners say it to me, people who've read my books, people I meet in real life. I, so many people say to me, something about sort of awesome. They either heard me there or this thing about sort of awesome changed their life or, 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 or it comes up all the time. And I haven't been on sort of awesome since 2017. <laughs> so I, I just want you to know the tendrils of this are so far reaching. They're so important. You've really made such a difference in people's lives and like talk about a legacy. Thank you. <laughs> I was sitting here saying like, oh, I'm not, I'm fine. I don't have any emotions around it, but this <laughs> makes me really want to cry. So it's thank really you for important. Your words. Thank you. It's, thank it's you. It's important work. And I've watched, I've gotten to watch you do important work your whole life, but this is really the most important work I've seen. It's so beautiful and it has impacted so many of us. Thank you so much. I just want to take all those words and just wrap them up keep them right here. Well, the good thing is they're recorded. <laughs> they're recorded. I can keep them wrapped up. <laughs> you can listen whenever you want. <laughs> Thank you for coming on 10 Things to Tell You and telling us way more than 10 things about your journey, about ending well. Am I allowed to ask, because you know people are going to, am I allowed to ask, is there a new beginning on the horizon? Hmm. Is there... What's going to happen to the Hangout group? What's going to happen to Meg after? Are you like ending your time online or do you think you'll find a new medium or is it too early to call? Mm. You can also tell me if like we're not going there. No, uh, uh, those are all great questions. The number one question everyone has had is what happens to the Hangout? We have every plan right now to keep it open. The Hangout has been the easiest community to run ever. 
we may make some changes to kind of put some guardrails in place just to con- make it con- help it to continue to be that. But the Hangout, as we know it, will continue to be on the internet. For myself, there's lots of life stuff happening, new chapters being opened. I don't know. I would, I would don't want to take online projects or digital work or any of that off the table. But I'm kind of excited to see like, what if I went back to just like in-person work? Like what if my job was in-person and did not have a social media component and I just like had a regular, (laughs) I don't always say a regular job, but like a more conventional approach to work for a while. What would that look like? I don't know. And I think this has been the exciting part for me. I don't know about anybody else, but for me, just to be able to be like, okay, what is next? And have a blank slate that I can work from. It's very exciting. So I don't, I'm, I'm not being coy when I say, I don't know what's next. I really don't know. I really don't know what's next, but I'm enjoying kind of being in that space of like, who knows, anything's possible. I mean, I sense more community building in there. <laughs> It's almost like I can't help myself. (laughs) Really? Uh, Or maybe I just hope that for us. And maybe it will live in person, like you're saying. Maybe it'll be pretty different. But you have obvious gifts, obvious things that bring so much to the world. So I I can't imagine if you're just going to suddenly, like, I don't know, become a banker or something. That would be weird. (laughs) I will not become a banker. I promise you all right now. But no offense to bankers. We love bankers. Oh, Thank yes, God of course. You don't want me to be a banker. Nobody wants yeah. that. Yeah. Laws would be broken. Fortunes would be lost. <laughs> it would be terrible. <laughs> okay. Thank you for coming on 10 Things to Tell You to talk about endings. And the beginnings are just laid out for you. I wish many, many beginnings Thank for you. you. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10thingstotellyou. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening.